Welcome. You've made it tough shit. Podcast puts first world problems into perspective. We are your hosts. I am Corey. Uh, I'm Chris, and that's my new stress thing. He's got one of those little kid anxiety popper things. It's the rubber. What what the hell is it called? We went and visited uh, my cousins not too long ago. And uh, this is a favorite of my my godson, actually. How old is he? Not as old as me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. He's a child. Okay. Um, I can't say much because I I, I did own a fidget spinner during the fidget spinner craze. I didn't like that. It was okay. But no, this thing pops. And like, so we went over and visited and he was real excited about it. And I played with it for a long time. I'm sure you did. I played with it for a while yesterday. To the point you bought bought your own? No, I got it for a gift. Oh, it was a gift. It was, yes. it was a Christmas gift. Yes, my dad gave it to me. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Um, and so I brought it over here <clears throat> so that I could use it while we were doing the show, but then you decided that it's too loud <laughs> and annoying. <laughs> so I just got to set it over there on the table and oh, not use it. God, you can't touch it. You can't play with it. Actually, I'm feeling a little less stressed than normal. Really? I don't know. Yeah, you're not as anxious because you seem, well, you were sick all last week. I so. was. I was sick for a week, mm-hmm. and then I quit drinking coffee. Yeah. So I'm feeling very subdued. Who would have thought? And like, well, I wasn't feeling good. (laughs) We were just discussing this in the kitchen. It's been 12 days. Yeah. I've had two cups of coffee in 12 days. And today I haven't had any. days of caffeine. (laughs) It's not good. Well, you know what? I shouldn't say that. My only fear is I think I'm going to get stupid. (laughs) Why? Wait, because you're not drinking coffee or caffeine? How would you get stupid? Because... They You're say that caffeine sharp? is supposed to, like, sharpen uh, brain function. Mm-hmm. And I've always drank coffee every single day. And now now listen to me. I can't even find my words. And I think it's because I'm not drinking caffeine. I switched to tea, and now I'm fucking stupid. There's caffeine in tea. There's not as much. Oh. Well, I'm doing herbal tea. <laughs> what kind of, like, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, you've made it tough shit. And this is, I want to say, kind of a special episode. It's a Christmas episode, but it's our first part two. It's our it's first. It's a holiday episode. All right. You fucking God, I can't come up with that one either. <laughs> so it's for our PC friend over here. It's holiday. For everyone else, it's Christmas. <laughs> I don't know why I get so worked up about yeah, that. I don't care because I used to like. I, I used to get real upset when people said Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. Like you don't say Merry Christmas. They're like. I'm not even fucking Christian, so why the hell did I give a shit? I don't what know. What the hell people say? Because it's fun to be mad at everyone all the time for it's some reason. It's not fun. I'm over it. I don't want to be mad anymore. I, oh, really? No. I, I can't wait to get you fired right up. Why? Is you, are you going to upset me today? I don't know. I might. Hmm. So, yeah, anyway, it's the Christmas episode. Merry Christmas. Yep. Part two. Merry Shitscram. Uh, oh, yeah, we have a Instagram also. If you'd like to check us out, we're at TS Podcast Official. Uh, also, if you're following us on Spotify or Pandora or anything, be well, be sure to follow us. Also, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, big news: uh, Spotify will now let you rate podcasts. No fucking way! You can really make, you can select stars. And yeah, I've been waiting for that to they, rate other stuff. They just put it out, I think, ten days ago, something like that. Well, you hear it, hear you, it. So you please rate our episode, rate our podcast, rate our episodes. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> Radar Podcast. I feel so fucking stupid today. Like, I head still stuffy. You know, I got like a little runny nose thing yeah. still. I'm not what drinking coffee. Maybe it's maybe I'm making it happen, but I feel like I'm getting dumb. 
<laughs> I mean, even if I'm a little more dumb than normal, though, like it's not that big of a deal because I'm so smart far, you're pretty to begin much with. you're pretty much on par for how you've usually been. Have I always been dumb? No, I was just just wired and fired right up. Okay. <clears throat> so, yeah. Oh yeah. I, anyway, I was talking about our show <laughs> before old dummy caffeine brain over here. <laughs> Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review over there too. Sure. And speaking of uh, social media and apps and things like that, I have, well, had a Christmas gift for you, Christopher. I have a Christmas gift for you. They're sitting right next to you, but you can't have one yet. Well, I attempted to set up a Patreon for us. You did. You attempted. Keyword attempted. But you failed. Failed. Yeah. Huh. Ain't happening. Well, Merry fucking Christmas to me. <laughs> no Patreon No Patreon. You. What are we supposed to do with all this venison? I don't know. I fucking set it up like, get on there and put in the information. You really did try it? Yeah. First email I get's like, we got some suspicious activity from your account. Your account's been suspended. <gasps> really? So I, I emailed them and they're just like, oh yeah, we still need all this, in, which they got. And I'm like, fuck you. Huh. <laughs> so we'll have to, we'll try again in the yeah. future. There's other avenues too. There's Subscribestar and there's another one. That same you sort do. of thing it's though? A, it's the same fucking thing. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. Start throwing some fucking so, money at us. Merry we'll Christmas. That's venison. like the typical deadbeat dad. Like I was going to get you this son, but I didn't. Yeah. It's the, oh yeah. That's what you tell <laughs> me. That, that's Christmas. the equivalent of like, well, I printed off a picture of this thing that didn't show up because I waited too long to order it. Yeah. Everything we it ordered might came show in up. for the most part. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. We had some like a big gift that we were waiting on that got it was a custom thing. We did it a month ago for my sister in law and it disappeared in the mail. They said it was lost and mm-hmm. it was a big fucking to do. So they did it all over again. And then uh turns out the one that was lost showed up two days ago. Really? Yeah. So you got two? Yeah, and they only charge us for one. It was a cool book. It was uh, on astrology. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did you get some crystals and wicked things with it too? I had a lot of fucking cool shit. <laughs> I adore my family. The amount of weird gifts that were flying around yesterday. I got the fucking uh, hardcover master edition of From Hell. I got a book on the history of punctuation. I got some mushroom coffee. Uh, <laughs> You're like, I got some mushrooms. I'm I tripping got- balls. <laughs> <laughs> I'd straight up drop some caps. I'm fucked I up. got a fucking book on Aleister Crowley. I got a sweater with these shoulder pads on it that make me look real smart. Wait, What? Yeah, I'll have to show it to you. A shoulder pad sweater like the women used to wear in the 80s? No, 80s no, no, suit no, 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 imagine what, what a like a rich, a rich Western man, like out on the uh-huh. ranch, like he flies in in a helicopter and jumps on a horse, yeah. like a wool sweater, like with the, mm-hmm. like the leather looking shoulder pads. Yeah, do you I'm have very a, dashing. You got a bolo know. tie with it? Mm-hmm. A polo tie. Bolo tie. That was a bolo tie. The thin little... Uh... Oh, no, a Texas tie? Yeah. No. no. Okay. No, I'm not a douchebag. Um, <laughs> wow. Oh, man, I got to stop popping this thing. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, popity pop over there. Sorry. Old, old popcorn Chris. <laughs> so, this is our Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> As you now know, because I told you what I got. Yeah, <laughs> now that you got a rundown of Chris's Christmas... Uh, as we discussed in the first Christmas episode, which I suggest going to listen to, uh, Christmas is supposed to be a time of family and friendship and all that happy horseshit, but sometimes it can turn into a disaster. Uh, some of the complaints ranging from fighting uh, with family members or you know unwanted guests, the excessive spending and expectations, the bad gifts, 
drinking, and just various things that go wrong with the holidays. Not, I actually enjoyed drinking stress. last night. Yeah, how'd you yeah. feel this morning? I was a little groggy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the balance, my man. Yeah, that was the absence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Actually, I don't think I had absence. Yeah, that one right there. Overindulgence. Before. Yeah, there you go. Which <laughs> I, I can say, ah, oh, the fucking cookies and... Yeah, I am like I know. Like you get I, 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 there's this bag of cookies you brought in cookies. I'm like, fuck me, I'm so cookie down. And you're gonna eat one. I'll eat one on the kay. show when I tell you to. Wow. Yeah, I know. I went. I was thinking about the booze. <clears throat> like I went from like a couple weeks ago, like fucking clear headed, drinking caffeine and not drinking mm-hmm. a whole lot of booze, and now I'm not drinking any coffee at all. And it's been like swilling liquor. I know. Well, not swilling, but I've had enough. I, know. I saw you under the bridge turning tricks. Hmm? Yeah. You you took a hard turn quick. No, I do that out in public. <laughs> you do that anyway. Uh, so when it comes to Christmas, <clears throat> do you have any personal stories of hardship from your Christmas past or present or whatever? Yeah. Let's hear it. Okay. I'm going to stop playing with that thing. Um, yeah. Why don't you just it, get a stress ball? They're quiet. Here, hang on. I'm going to throw it in the corner of the room. Can I just hand it just to you? Just give it to me. Here. There. You can't Thank get you. it. <laughs> I, I can't reach it now. You can see it. I have a, I have a story mm-hmm. that I guess kind of has been going on the last couple of years. I didn't know it until yesterday. Okay. So <laughs> we, <laughs> let's hear it. We got, I don't know if this is hardship. Um, okay. If there's a theme today mm-hmm. on my end of the table, yeah. it's that I'm an idiot. So, wow, we got bubbling with confidence uh, today. Myself, Mandy, uh, my brother, and my sister-in-law, we got uh, went in on a sound bar mm-hmm. for my dad. They they uh, got a different yeah. staff in the living room. front of the TV. Yeah, yeah, for the subwoofer and all that stuff. We have one, <clears throat> and uh, so we put it together for him last night during Christmas, and. <laughs> Well, I hooked it up, and Mandy said to me, she's like, I don't think it's supposed to be like that. I got all the cords stuck in it, because she says, this thing that says USB is upside down. I said, no, oh, it's supposed to look like that, you know, because you can look over the back of it. I said, it's like when you're, you know, fucking ambulance behind you, and you see it in the mirror, it's backwards. It's this way, you can read USB. <laughs> Turns out, I put the soundbar together, and I had it upside down. All so right. my brother flipped it up. I'm like, Jesus Christ, that sounds way better. I said, That's amazing. I didn't know it was supposed to go like that. He says, you have a soundbar? <laughs> like, yeah, I got a soundbar. He says, is yours right side up? I think I think so. <laughs> so. Last night we got home. Oh, my God. Turns out my soundbar <laughs> has been upside down for two years. <laughs> I had no idea. You're shitting me. <laughs> I'm dead serious. Absolutely 100% serious. Wow. And, you know, I always thought about the thing. I'm like, man, you know, it sounds good. It's not very loud. So it's just been blowing sound directly down then? It's been blowing the sound into the TV stand for two years. <laughs> Mandy put on Emily in Paris this morning, and it sounds a lot better. I bet. I that's, bet. That's all I got. That's my hardship. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Yep. Turns out we took we took the took the sound bar, we mm-hmm. flipped it right side up, and on the bottom it just says, you're a moron. So. <laughs> that's great. Uh, um. <laughs> the only personal story I have, it's it, it's not much of a hardship. It's a very self-induced thing. But this is the story. You know this because you were there. Uh, the band Every Time I Die. Does oh, it, God, you gross fuck. I know where this is going. <laughs> does a Christmas show every year. Tid the season. And they're fucking awesome. And in 2008, we went to Tid the season. 
The night before was our company Christmas party where I proceeded to get fucking tanked. Like, way too drunk. As one is wont to do at a company Christmas yeah. party. Yeah, I think I was 08, so that would have been 22, 23. I would have been 22, 23, somewhere in there. Yeah, sure. Yeah, something like that. Either way, drank way too much. Woke up the next morning. I didn't even get up till like, 3 in the afternoon, and we were leaving at 4. Still in my clothes from the night before, and we left. I just got up, put on a hoodie, and left with you guys. And we all crammed in your uh, the old Subaru, mm-hmm. drove up to Buffalo, and I, I didn't smell too bad yet. You fucking stunk. Well, it wasn't until we were at the show. Like, I started sweating, and I was like, holy fuck. I smelled my armpits. I stunk so bad. Yeah, you had a whole fucking crowd around you, this open I had an, space. I had an aura. Like, yes. No one was, it was great. I could see the fucking stage great because no one wanted to be my, I fucking stunk so bad. It was like so Moses bad. parting the Red Sea if the Red oh, Sea yeah. was like a crowd at a hardcore show and yeah. Moses was a sweaty fucking <laughs> mick. Yeah, it was disgusting. And you guys, and all I needed to do was like change my clothes and put on a little deodorant. That's what That would have fixed it. Yeah. I didn't even do that. I don't understand how you do that. I shower twice a day, every single day. I shower two times a day. No, once a day. Do you know why? Because you're a germaphobe. Mm. <laughs> well, I was going to say it's because I care for people around me. Oh, yeah. I yeah. care for the comfort of you people. You barely around work me. around people. Yeah, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was my, my Christmas hardship because it was, yeah, it was the every time I'd had a Christmas show and I fucking stunk so bad. I did kind of feel bad, but I fucking smell. It was like that stinging hobo smell. Like homeless. I smelled like a homeless person. Those fucking shows are great, though. Oh, it was epic, yeah. They still did that one. Okay, I know this is getting off subject, but I'll never forget that one show they did at a bowling alley. Mm. And your tickets included, every time I die, four or five other bands and shoe rentals. And you got a, a, a lane. Yeah, two yeah. games of bowling. Uh huh. It's a lot of fun. So that was it. Uh, statistic, quick one. A 2013 Pew Research survey on religious practices found that 32% of Jews have a Christmas tree and celebrate Christmas to some extent. Uh, more of the Santa and elves side of things and not so much the Jesus side of it for obvious mm-hmm. reasons. Uh, either way, it's all good however you practice or not practice the holiday season. And the only reason I chose this stat was because we watched Eight Crazy Nights the other week. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go it's with the, movie. the Jewish statistic of Christmas. So, yeah, that's the statistic this year. And I've heard that before. Um, I know people who are Jewish and have a Christmas tree and do the whole Santa thing. Oh, shit. What? I was just thinking about it. Oh, I can't remember one of the girls from Sex in the City. Oh. She converted to Judaism in the show. Okay. And she wanted to get a Christmas tree, mm-hmm. and they didn't because she felt awful about it. But she should have just got one. Yeah. Because I look at Christmas now more as a cultural thing than I do like a religious thing. Because uh, like I said, I don't give a shit about the religious end of it. Yeah. You still just, get trees and all that. Yeah. yeah, I get a tree, fucking hang out with my family. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's Stockings nice. Stockings and all that. for that, Corey. Um, and one last quick note here. Our stories, and you told me this too, and I believe both of our stories are Christmas-related, like Die Hard is a Christmas movie. <laughs> that's how, that's yeah. how you said it to oh, me. Damn it! Well, I'll see if I can find it. Okay. I had there's one thing in this story that could have like really like kind of clenched as a Christmas story. Yeah, and I didn't write it down. Okay, so I'll see if I can find it. I got my book here. Now I, I, you're gonna go first. We talked about this for stories. Yeah, and you said you went a little overboard, and it's probably longer than it needs to be. Right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. I will not. I won't interrupt you. 
I'll try to focus. Okay. I could use a cup of coffee. I bet you could. I bet if you had a cup of coffee, you could just jabber jaw right through this I thing. I feel like the whole world's soft around me. We're, we're surrounded by blankets. Oh, so. yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be okay. why. Right. Do you want me to do one? So, yeah, I think that's uh, everything out of the way. So, let's get into it. Let's get your first Christmas story for Christmas Part 2, the Christmas inning. Right? Do you like that? The Christmasing? Yeah, thing? that's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, part 2. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So, like, when I think of Christmas, we're like holidays and all this, like wintertime and all this shit. Mm-hmm. What do you think of? I'll tell you what you think of. Okay. I see it in your forehead. Well, this, uh, this is one of those things where, like, ask me a question and don't give me a line, sort of. Yeah, that's just the, the jobs episode. Really, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm going to try not to yell in the microphone today, though. Yeah, you got yelled at for yelling. I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, um, or just hang back. Okay. So you here, can. let's try it. Okay. Upset me. Um, I see you got your glasses on to hide your baggy, greasy eyes. Go fuck yourself! <laughs> How's that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure, it sounded like you were jumping off a building anyway. I'm ending up yourself. <laughs> um, I think of overeating. I think oh, of cookies. Yeah. I think of just eating and eating and eating and eating and eating. I just can't stop. <clears throat> I've had pizza the last few days over and over again. I had Zuppa Toscana. I had fucking... Uh, Mm-hmm. Pork glut. I just can't stop eating cookies. Gluttonous Maximus. I hear you. You just feel because it's just this is our right to eat because there's just we're in the land of plenty and we can just eat as many <laughs> cookies as we want. So right now, I would like you to eat a cookie out of that bag. Okay. Corey's opening a bag. And I know, I know that this is a risk. I know that the last time I had Corey eat something on this show, it resulted in. The worst episode we've done, and actually, you made quite a you made you made a good effort on that one. But uh, so I'm not trying to invite disaster or bad luck here. I just want you to enjoy that cookie because you're okay. my friend. <clears throat> so this cookie for our listeners is a chocolate pixie. chocolate pixie. Yes, is that what it is is that like the cake batter cookies? I don't know. It's the cookies that my mom makes for me because I love them. They're kind of fluffy and like yeah, and I like to warm them up sometimes. Yeah, for you. I, yeah, I think I've had these, so I'll try this. Eat that cookie. Put it in your mouth. There you go. Chew before you swallow. No, yeah. Is it good? Are you enjoying it? It's good. It's cooking. Yeah? Okay. You don't have to eat the whole thing right now. Okay. Because I don't want to listen to you. Um, <laughs> Let me chew in the mic. Okay. So no. you en- you're enjoying that cookie. Yeah, it's all right. I'll finish it. Good. Because as a- Spit All right. Come on. Why? As an Irishman eating a cookie at Christmas. Today, we are going to be talking about the long tradition of Irish hunger strikes. <clears throat> and that's the only way that I could shoehorn it into a Christmas episode was overeating and not eating. Huh? This this has absolutely nothing to do with <laughs> it does, Christmas. It does. It does. I got one thing in here. It has nothing to do with Christmas. I'm like, okay, so here, if this makes any more sense. Hey, all I can say <laughs> is you're on a new kick. You're on, you're on the Irish kick lately. <laughs> So let's let's hear it. I'm happy. I have been. I oh know. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. In fact, the title reflects that. The title of the story is uh, "What Follows" is an expert example of how to shoehorn whatever you are currently reading into the history podcast that you do with your friend and neighbor Corey, who desperately needs a haircut. That's the title. I do need a haircut. So yeah, we're gonna talk about hunger strikes while everybody's fucking overeating on Christmas. How's that? Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> Ready? Yeah. Let me take a sip of my seltzer water. Mm. All right, I'm done uh, eating a cookie. So, so 
here we go. <clears throat> On the morning of March 8th, 1973, the city of London was a fucking mess. Would one to look up? Then they'd be treated with blue skies and a kiss of warmth from the sun that'd been hiding most of the winter. Would one to return their gaze to street level, however, They'd be quickly reminded of what downtown London looks like in the midst of a city-wide transit strike on a busy Thursday. Due to a lack of any public transportation, <clears throat> anyone commuting to London that day had to drive their own car. And I don't know if you were all aware of this or not, uh, but major cities are not typically known for an excess of parking. To get around this, authorities waived any and all parking violations for the duration of the strike. Cars were parked on sidewalks, in loading zones, fire lanes, public parks, and of course, double parked in the middle of the street. It was as if the entire city of London thought they were really at home playing Grand Theft Auto, because that's how I always parked in Grand Theft Auto. Mm -hmm. That was always Like fun. an asshole? Yeah, whatever uh -huh. I want, just jump out. So, and speaking of which, <clears throat> a parking free-for-all such as this presented an irresistible opportunity for a very specific criminal element. Now, I don't want to be accused of victim-blaming the city of London. <clears throat> but if you take a step, back, a step back and look at this situation as a whole, London kind of looks like she was asking to get car bombed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And oh, boy, did she. Um, where, uh, <laughs> where, where London police uh, saw an uncontrollable situation, a few key members of the provisional IRA, the Irish Republican Army, mm -hmm. saw an unmissable opportunity. A few nondescript illegally parked cars and an ocean of illegally parked cars were almost guaranteed not to go noticed. Uh, see, in 1973, or I'm sorry, see, 1973 saw what would later be known as the Troubles at its most violent height. The Troubles being the three-decade-long guerrilla war between the IRA of Northern Ireland and their English overlords. And where most violent attacks by the IRA were focused uh, on their own home turf, <clears throat> namely in and around the city of Belfast, some provisional IRA members, provos for short, were uh, tired of English citizens not fully grasping the weight of the conflict. So, born against a shadowy group within the provost called the Unknowns, a plan was hatched to bring the fight to the heart of England. The plan was to load six cars with over 100 pounds each of powdered explosive, in addition to gel ignite, and park them amongst the tens of thousands of cars already clogging London streets uh, to then detonate at key politically charged locations. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> a mishap at the ferry crossing uh, turned six cars to four, and a chance discovery once the cars were parked turned four cars to three. But at shortly before two o'clock, a phone call came into the Times of London, giving descriptions of each car and warning that each of them would explode within one hour. Police frantically dredged the city for each car <clears throat> and managed to disarm one of them before time was up. But the remaining two exploded with tremendous force at just before 3 o'clock. Windows were shattered. Other cars were destroyed. Entire faces of buildings were torn away. And dozens of people sent airborne by the blast. Wow. Two yeah. I think I'll England's had a lot of bombings in the 20th century. Well, yeah. And we'll yeah. get into like the <clears throat> significance of that. Uh, so, <clears throat> 250 people were injured, and chaos reigned. Frightened, frightened victims stumbled through the streets covered in blood and soot, some naked, having had their clothes torn off of them from the force of the blast. Miraculously, only one person died, and that from a heart attack. <clears throat> but the trauma from the attack was incalculable. This was the largest bombing that London had seen since the Blitz. It turned out that <clears throat> 11 bombers were involved. One escaped, 
One, an 18-year-old girl, turned on her comrades, and the others were in custody within hours, having been apprehended at Heathrow Airport trying to escape back to Belfast. Among those captured were Hugh Feeney, Jerry Kelly, and the sisters Dolores and Marion Price. <clears throat> Not one of them were out of their 20s yet. I mean, these are all just kids. Yeah. Uh, the four of them were sentenced to 20 years each in prison. <clears throat> um, even before their arrival at Brixton Prison, an all-male prison, I might add, mm-hmm. um, the four of them agreed on their collective strategy to remove themselves from Brixton <clears throat> and be relocated to Northern Ireland to so- serve out their sentence as prisoners of war, as they saw themselves as soldiers, not terrorists. Yep. The strategy was one that had been employed by the Irish for centuries, <clears throat> one that could be seen as a fiber of the culture, a good old-fashioned hunger strike. That the four of the IRA... That four of the IRA bombers had decided on a hunger strike before their verdicts uh, had even been read Mm -hmm. uh, really says something about the knee-jerk reaction that the hunger strike had become um, amongst the Irish people. But have you do you know anything about this? The history of like Irish hunger strikes? Not the hunger strikes, like the IRA stuff. I've okay learned about a little Uh, bit. Well, this is just, yeah, it's not cool. It's horrible. But so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really uh, wild. But, yeah. like but, starving people. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Look how skinny he is. Uh, but why was that the first thought of essentially children facing a 20-year prison sentence, a hunger strike? Mm-hmm. And let me ask again, why? On a personal note here, why would you not eat? Right? Like, I just cannot personally imagine not eating. Uh, oh, God, you? Yeah, fasting for me means like maybe <laughs> you, three hours. You were a vacuum. I wish I was eating right now. Uh-huh, you want a cookie? No, I'm trying to do this. <laughs> I mean, we're leaving. Okay, so we're leaving in a couple of days uh, for the wedding of some friends of ours, and I was asked by Mandy to purchase a tie. So far, I am only considering food themed ties. I got a blue tie with a little strawberry cake dotted along it, uh, another tie with adorable little quiches, and even a tie with a quesadilla at the bottom saying, hello. So uh. the, idea of a hunger strike, <laughs> the idea of a hunger strike is just a super fascinating and alien thing to me. I can confidently tell you that regardless of the cause, I'd fold within hours. Uh, yeah. This wouldn't happen. Yeah, you would be I'd have done. to come up with something else. Mm-hmm. But either way. Oh, a poop strike. Oh, no. <laughs> You couldn't do that. Sometimes, no did you ever watch the new Watchmen on HBO? There's no, this, I keep the yeah, just keep... The, watch the trailers. It's this like one of the old, this old black guy that sits in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and he says to this Angela, whatever face he says, because uh, she swears, he says, "You curse too much." And whenever he says it, I just think of him saying to me, "You poop too much," <laughs> <laughs> and it always makes me laugh. So anyway, <laughs> a little fucking screwball side quest there. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, back to where all this no-eating nonsense comes from. See, <clears throat> the Irish have been up to all this foolishness since before they were even a Christian nation. There are accounts of the Irish fasting and protest as far back as the Middle Ages. Fasting at the time was taught... And I'm going to fucking butcher this. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I can't speak like Celtic shit. Gaelic? Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, fasting at the time was called Truscad. Truscad? It just sounds Eastern sure. European when I say it. Or... Uh, Silichian. <laughs> but maybe. Uh, and in the early days, it was essentially used as a tool to um, settle personal disputes. If you felt as though you were wronged or dishonored by an individual, then you would pretty much settle yourself down on the fruit sto- or on the front stoop of the offender's home and refuse to eat until said offender agreed to make things right. Uh, it was and still is all about optics. That's a very passive way to yes, kind of like exactly. Okay. The faster was essentially putting his or her life 
into the hands of their offender in a very public way. Uh, the idea being that if the accused offender continued to refuse to make things right, then the hunger striker on his front step would eventually starve to death and the blood would be on the offender's hands. Um, having that is pride and a life. I'll show you. Exactly. So author <laughs> fork away. <laughs> author uh, Patrick Radden Keefe puts it best by saying uh, it was a quint- quote, it was a quintessential weapon of passive aggression, like you said. Mm-hmm. In a 1903. <laughs> like an angry note. Please make sure this door is closed. <laughs> like when I used to put, I used to put those notes on people's windshields when they parked. It was like, oh God, uh, oh I I didn't realize it was let your let your let your like, kid drive you to work day or oh, something. Oh yeah, like that. asshole yeah. park. I like yeah. when you take chalk and write asshole parking and point uh-huh. at the car. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't do that anymore because I don't want to get beat up. <laughs> So, um, in a 1903 plate, W.B. Yeats puts it equally well. <clears throat> and I'm not going to do this in an Irish accent. I was going to. But my... Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Oh, An old and... No, it's not even Irish. Um, Muddish. An, an old and foolish custom that if a man be wronged or think that he is wronged and starve upon another's threshold till he die, the common people for all time to come will raise a heavy cry against that threshold. And maybe another more relatable example of front door fasting would be this. <clears throat> Me, on Corey's front stoop, refusing to eat until he agrees to stop defacing my issues of fast company when they end up in his mailbox, and also agrees to backorder replacement copies of each issue that he has already defaced. Change your fucking address. He'd, li- <laughs> he'd likely win. But if he ever laid one of those stubby tater tots he calls fingers on one of my game informers, well, that would be a different story altogether. Oh, it won't be a stubby finger. It'll be a stubby something else. No. Oh, your penis. No, my toe. I, no. <laughs> Big toe. <laughs> but either way, moving on from the Middle Ages, this custom continued uh, throughout the following centuries with accounts of even St. Patrick himself going on a hunger strike, mm-hmm. uh, which, of course, leads us to 1845, when the entire island went on a hunger strike and well over one million people died as a result. Of course, some people refer to this as less hunger striking. I was going to say, that's the potato famine. And you fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, yeah, it could have been the great potato yeah. famine or of genocide. Uh, but hey, potato, potato, right? Um, <laughs> no, that's more potato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Tasteless and arguably unnecessary jokes aside, the effect that the potato famine had on future hunger strikers cannot be overstated. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that I don't have time here for an amateur history lesson on the potato famine, but suffice it to say that you wouldn't be blamed for interpreting uh, certain English policies at the time as a wanton disregard for the lives of the Irish people. You could even go so far as to use the vernacular that the English themselves, uh, of the English themselves, and say that they, that is the English, Mm -hmm. uh, were being a bunch of fucking cunts. (laughs) (laughs) And by cunts, I mean pretty obviously, at least in hindsight, Committing a roundabout genocide. Yeah. By 1851, over one million Irish had starved to death, and somewhere in the vicinity of two million had emigrated from the country, uh, dropping the population on the island by more than a third. At this point, Ireland had already taken or had already been a part of the United Kingdom for half a century, and England's bungling response to the famine only managed to add more bad blood to the already rapidly spreading pool of bad blood between the two countries. So even more than half a century later, the famine would still be fresh as an open wound to more than 1,600 Irish nationalists who, on the morning of April 24, 1916, led an open revolt against the English, declaring the founding of an Irish republic. 
Mm -hmm. This was the Easter Rising, an open attack on English government buildings peppered throughout Dublin. The uprising was quashed, and within a week, more than 2,000 people lay dead in the streets of Dublin. Yeah. But the flame that the Easter Rising coaxed to life never quite went out. In fact, to the contrary, just as the famine had led had more than 70 years before, <clears throat> the failed coup that was the Easter Rising galvanized Irish Republicans in their fight for independence from the English. And for the next century, the most passive-aggressive tool in the Irish arsenal would turn up again and again, the hunger strike. Mm-hmm. Now, Well, you, you've hit Easter so far, so huh? I'm waiting on Christmas. Oh, I got one in here. <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> Are you going to get a oh. Halloween one in there? Or, it's uh, nice to have seltzer water again. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, I'm your savior today. <laughs> uh, yeah, now, you were on a seltzer strike. Yeah. Well, not, not really. I just yeah. didn't know I ran out of it. <laughs> uh, now, the hunger strike is by no means exclusive to the Irish, but they're just the lucky, scrawny buggers that we'll be focusing on today. But an honorable mention at the beginning of the 20th century outside of the Orange and Green Island would undoubtedly be the British, and I suppose American, too, uh, suffragettes. Starting around 1909, some of these women felt desperate enough to turn to the hunger strike, at times with deadly results, as it was around this time that the hunger strike's horrifying hanger-on made its very public debut. You see, before the scourge that is Facebook, people used to get their news from newspapers. And when folks at the time started to grow numb to atrocity after atrocity funneled down into the papers from World War I, mm-hmm. nothing quite grabbed a headline like an extremely controversial force-feeding. Uh, oh, Yeah. Please, after the show, do yourself a disservice and whip up a slurry of maybe pancakes and oat milk. Now, glass in hand, try scarfing this down while holding your breath and pers- pursuing Google Images, perusing Google Images of early 20th century force-feeding headlines. It's gag-inducing. I'm sure. It's fucked. It's uh. really bad. Now, back to the Irish. But uh, Is that what Santa does? Like, huh? force-feeding all those fucking cookies? Milk. Like, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of cookies and milk yeah. eaten one night. I'm not yeah. getting into logistics of Santa. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> Chris no. is going to force feed Santa. <laughs> <laughs> I just had half a pizza before I came over here. You're already getting hungry, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> now, back to the, I know all this talk about food. <laughs> like, that's got to be a fetish. I'd love to be force fed. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, uh, it is. It's yeah. disgusting. Now, back to the Irish. Uh, but more on forest reading here soon, I promise. Uh, it wasn't long after the Easter ri- Rising before Irish Republicans started getting themselves thrown into British prisons. And with the memory of the Great Potato Famine putting an extra pep in their hunger strike step, one of these, or some of these prisoners began to refuse food. Now, as there have been enough books written on hunger strikes to fill several pantries, mm-hmm. I realize that I cannot do them all justice on just one page. But before we get back to the Price Sisters up top, we'll cover a couple of the greatest hits. First, <clears throat> Terrence McSweeney, who, after being elected to, I think it's Sinn Féin, I can't pronounce it, uh, Lord yeah, Mayor man. of Cork in the midst of the 1920 Irish War of Independence, was arrested by the British for sedition and thrown into Brixton Prison. Remembering his roots, the Lord Mayor immediately joined an already ongoing hunger strike. McSweeney lasted for 74 days without food before he died in prison. I cannot imagine that. Damn. Jesus Christ. That's uh, fucking nuts. Toward the end of his strike, prison authorities attempted a couple of force feedings, but were unsuccessful. The British government was publicly chastised by countries around the world, with even the Germans joining the fray. But the Brits... <laughs> but the... Yeah, like talking about that time frame, having a big black eye, and the Germans are all yeah, like... Yeah, they're just like, hey, you guys are taking it too far. Ah, oh, duh. 
Das ist nicht gut. Ja, that's right. You know German. No, not much. Mm. Uh, so, <clears throat> yeah, even the Germans were like, they were upset. Uh, but the Brits refused to relent. And on October 20th of 1920, Terence McSweeney fell into a coma and died five days later. As I said, a hunger strike is all about optics. And the death of Terence McSweeney, McSweeney <clears throat> didn't leave the, the English looking very good. During McSweeney's body's stay at St. George's Cathedral in London, more than 30,000 people filed past to show their respect to the man from Cork who was fast becoming a legend. A couple of years later, in February of 1923, McSweeney wasn't far from the minds of the 23 women who went on hunger strike for 34 days to protest the arrest of Irish Republican members. And later that same year, in October, close to 8,000 IRA members went on hunger strike to protest their imprisonment by the Irish Free State, which was the British. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, this continued throughout the 20th century. But it was in the, the 1970s that the hunger strike really came into vogue and began to prove its effectiveness. <clears throat> and one of the most famous and effective examples of the iron will necessary for a hunger strike is that of the Price sisters, Marion and Dolores, that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, as we touched on earlier, Marion and Dolores were sentenced to 20 years in prison at Brixton <clears throat> and went on hunger strike immediately. Their demands were simple, that they would be allowed to carry out their sentence back on Irish soil, as they saw themselves, as we said, as soldiers in a war that was being fought in Ireland. Mm -hmm. The Price sisters would last a staggering 208 days Holy shit. on hunger strike <clears throat> and eventually would get their wish but at a horrible cost. Now we've mentioned this before on the show. The terrifying process that is starving to death. Yeah. Um, when the body stops taking carbs, eventually it'll enter a state of ketosis. Eats itself. Yep. Yeah. Breaking down fats to produce ketones and use for energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, essentially the body begins to eat itself. Yeah. And you can do that like there's a safe way to do that. Like intermittent fasting and various other things. I fast every night. When you sleep? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just normal. All right. <laughs> so there is. So yeah, there I know that keto that's diets becoming a and thing. things like yeah. that. I don't trust it. I'm. I don't know. I'm iffy about it. I don't get it. I don't know enough. I, uh... I've been looking into intermittent fasting. Okay. Which is you eat like eight or nine hours. You have a window to eat throughout the day. Every day you eat. Okay. And then 15 to 16 hours you don't eat. So Which you just seems sleep? doable. No, you just you sleep for. So what time would your last meal then be? You could eat from like 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Mm. You uh, think, yeah, okay. Think about you, vacuum cleaner of a man, how much food you could suck in in that time frame. A lot. Yeah. yeah. Could you go the extra 15 or 16 hours? I don't know. Yeah. I get woozy, though. <laughs> like, if I ate dinner at 5 o'clock, mm -hmm. Well, you eat, like, an hour before bed, which is insane. Yeah, no, it's the metalocalypse thing. <laughs> That's you eat, you just eat popsicles all day, and then you eat one big meal before bed, you go to sleep, and then all you have to do is digest. Yeah, right? Well, Isn't that what they did? Yeah. One of them wind up diabetic or something. Cause I think they all did. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Side of like, I mean, yeah, essentially the body eats itself. But mm -hmm. side effects before death can include a myriad of diseases, loss of energy, scurvy, hallucinations, coma, and of course, just an all around slow, horrible death. Uh, when it came to Dolores and her British keepers, she put it best herself saying, quote, uh, he who blinks first is lost. Then continued, I knew that at a very early age. It's like chicken, pretty much. Like yeah. playing a game of chicken. 
But in the case of Dolores and Miriam, it wasn't starvation that turned their their strike <clears throat> into the horror show it would become. It was the force feeding that they somehow endured for 167 days. Ugh. Already well into the strike, on December 3rd of 1973, doctors and nurses at Brixton entered Dolores' cell. And this is not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's the 70s. I mean, it's, yeah. Well, 50 years ago now. but So doctors and nurses at Brixton entered Dolores' cell and took uh, they <laughs> drug her into a separate room. There, she was tied to a chair that was bolted to the floor using bed sheets. Uh, weak from not eating for the past two weeks, <clears throat> she didn't have the strength to resist. A rough wooden bit with a hole in the middle was forced into her mouth, and then a rubber hose was fed through the hole and into Dolores' throat and down into her stomach. She gagged on the hose and nearly suffocated there in the chair, not being able to properly breathe. Still being held down in a near panic, a cold slurry of milk, minerals, and vitamins was forced down her throat. After the hose was pulled back out of her, Dolores vomited back up everything that had been forced into her. She was sent out to the exercise yard in a daze where she found Marion and warned her of what she herself would soon endure. As I said, this torture went on every day for 167 days. And on several occasions, both girls almost died from choking on their own vomit. But they never relented. <clears throat> and at this, and all this time, the hunger strikers were an international sensation. Dolores and Marion read about themselves every day in the daily papers. And due to the letters home to their families, the whole world knew about the force feedings. Most people, even those who condemned the actions of the sisters, mm-hmm. were shocked that this sort of thing was happening in a supposedly civilized country. Yeah. This was torture, through and through. Mm-hmm. And some saw it as akin to rape. Eventually... Doctors outright refused to continue the practice, and the sisters were mercifully, mercifully taken off the daily regiment before being force-fed. The sisters were then housed together in one cell, and to all observers and the sisters themselves looked to be sure to die together there. Oof. Yeah. And as they wasted away, <clears throat> they were both more than ready to die rather than blink first. But on June 8th of 1974, after 206 days on hunger strike, England blinked. And the demands of Dolores, Marion, Jerry Kelly, and uh, Hugh Feeney were met. Because remember, those two guys mm-hmm. were still striking, too. Yeah. Dolores and Marion <clears throat> were How many heading... days did they go? Uh, they lasted the whole time. But the only thing was, they were men. So like, Oh, the, they had more mass. The image yeah. of two... And these women, they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, they were very attractive. Yeah. Not so much at the end of it. I'm sure. Um, Skeletons usually aren't too sexy. <laughs> no, but two young, pretty, pale yeah. Irish girls on a like starving to death in a newspaper looks a lot... Yeah. It's going to have more of an effect than two fucking skinny Irish guys. And, you know, nobody gave yeah. a fuck about them. Um, so, yeah. They were... They met their demands. Um, Dolores and Marion were heading home to Northern Ireland to serve out the rest of their sentence in Armagh Prison. And we'll wrap this up here. Okay. Let's see. Dolores was released early in 1980, citing a struggle with anorexia that was undoubtedly brought on from the trauma of the force feedings. That's hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shocking. Huh? <laughs> Who would have yeah, thought? Yeah, you never have a normal relationship yeah. with food again. Uh-huh. Uh, Marion was released the same year, and neither of the sisters were ever able to properly eat again. Uh, but because, yeah, it, they had a rough time I'm afterward. Sure. Jesus. But before, uh, because of the sisters, the policy of force feeding was put to an end in England. Uh, but the hunger strike was far from dead in Ireland. 1981 would see 10 men dead at Long Cash Prison from a hunger strike that shocked the world. And that is a fucking crazy story. Wow. Um, 
and the troubles would continue for another two decades. But as we quickly approach 3,000 words here, I'll relent. 23 and- <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I'll relent and save the long cash hunger strike for next year because I'm already telling you that's probably what I'm doing next Christmas. <laughs> that's it. We're not Merry doing Merry Christmas. <laughs> okay. The fuck did that have to do with Christmas? Well, (laughs) you said there was something. Yeah, I got to find it in my book. (laughs) Holy fuck. I'll I'll tell you at the end. Okay. Pretty much what that had to do with Christmas was that I wanted you to eat a Christmas cookie and feel really good about eating it, and then I was going to tell you a story about hunger strikes and make you feel not good about Uh, it. I'm going to go on a podcast strike (laughs) and do podcasts without Christopher. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was a, that was a terrible story i mean it was a good you you told it well but yeah the it's, events are pretty bad it's pretty wild man yeah. i'll uh and i barely fucking yeah like, the, a lot of that ira and the shit that went on in the 70s and 80s was just fucking not like 60s and 70s and yeah, all that yeah. like yeah late 60s early 70s wild. The, but like and that's another one that like keep reading more and more stuff we talked about like the wedding one with the Protestants and Catholics, mm-hmm. same fucking thing. Yeah. It's Protestants and Catholics. Yeah. And the, you both believe pretty much the same fucking thing. But like, like the like <laughs> this was in the 70s, like the yeah. neighborhoods were divided, mm-hmm. like literally de- like segregated yeah. from Protestants and Catholics that like were killing each other in the streets. Yeah. Like, it's nuts. It is nutty. Like I'm not a religious person, but to be like a Catholic person and be concerned about walking to the store to get groceries because a car bomb might fucking kill you. Mm-hmm. That's insane. That is insane. I just don't get it. I That's fascinating to me though. Yeah, that's uh that's pretty fucking wild, man. Yeah. So that was a good story. Nothing to do with Christmas, but <laughs> you know. Uh not even like Die Hard took place on Christmas. Like, they that at least has that going for it. I'll tell you what. I got it in here somewhere. I, at, at the end of the show. Well, I was starting to get hopeful when you were talking about, like, on December 3rd. I'm like, oh, maybe at Christmas time something happens. But it didn't happen till fucking June. There was a. <laughs> <laughs> like, the fuck does that have to do with the holidays? Oh, here it is. This is the one thing that, like, I all read right, this. Right, and yeah. I'm like, okay. So this was a. Uh, <laughs> this was in a newspaper. This was like a propaganda paper or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it said, <clears throat> as a newspaper ad, it said, quote, uh, soup, turkey, ham, potatoes, Christmas pudding, and brandy sauce. A newspaper ad from the Provisional Republican Movement read over the holidays. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, everyone. Dolores Price is dying. Wow. Huh? Yeah, tied it all together. No, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even giving you that one. <laughs> not even giving you that <laughs> We're fucking 45 minutes in. <laughs> so luckily, I told you that I kept my story short this this year. It's a, it's a shorter one. Next month is going to be short. I already picked it. Okay. So I'll, uh, I'll jump right into mine then. Uh, okay. Story. That's my template you always make fun of. <laughs> All right. After a tumultuous argument you had with your uncle this past Thanksgiving involving the voting rights of the trans-disabled sex doll community, you are now contemplating not even attending this year's family Christmas dinner. But cooler heads prevail. <laughs> I still think that sex dolls need more representation. See? But... Yeah, you would have been that fucking uncle. Uh-huh. But, 
<laughs> but cooler heads prevail, and your mom convinces you to be the bigger person, so you agree to join in on the holiday hootenanny this year. You enter the old family homestead only to be greeted by your shit-faced uncle, who is all dolled up in lipstick, wearing a red dress, and demanding to be called Mrs. Claus all night long. But it doesn't stop there. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't stop there. At dinner, during the prayer, he abruptly stops the host and asks everyone attending to donate towards his GoFundMe campaign to get Joe Exotic out of prison. That's it. You've had it. You leap from your chair and tackle your asshole uncle from across the table. You roll around, kicking, punching, and cussing. Kids start crying, the dog is barking, and your mom storms out. You and your petty squabble have ruined yet another holiday dinner. But fear not, because after today's tale, you might find that this hostile holiday behavior isn't all bad in some parts of the world. Oh, yeah, Festivus. Uh, Those do the earring of grievances, and then they fight. Well, you're going you're gonna to learn a little bit. I'm going to like this. Okay. All right. Today's story takes us to the Deep South, as in South America, more specifically the Chumbavilcas province in the Peruvian Andes. This region of Peru is, for the most part, cut off from the more developed parts of the country. It's a brutal 8- to 10-hour car ride through rocky passes up steep mountain roads, where the indigenous inhabitants there are as equally rugged as the, and brutal as the terrain that surrounds them. Uh, life in this area is not easy. The careers in the region are quite limited. Farming, sewing, sheep herding, and other hands-on, back-breaking jobs are pretty much all you're going to be offered. Not to mention being so remote that you must learn how to settle your differences with your neighbors or you will be setting yourself up for a lifetime of being stepped on. Now being from a mostly blue-collar small town, I can relate to this type of existence to a small extent. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, now, in our little corner of the world, conflict resolution is usually settled in the back alleys of Facebook. Or by <laughs> keying some asshole's car who you disagree with when they're not looking and running away like a man. <laughs> but the ch- or a hunger strike. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see you on a hunger strike. Mad at me. God, that'd be great. I can't get mad I'd, at I'd you. Have to, all I would do is show up with, like, I, I would go get a pesto pizza and just eat it in front of you. I had pesto pizza yesterday. See? Yeah. Yeah. I got a new hot sauce to put it on right Oh, boy. I can't get upset at you. So uh, it's just, uh, Yeah. Know. Ship sailed at this point. If you, <laughs> if you were going to be mad at me, you would have done it fucking 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but the folks of Chumbavilcus aren't a bunch of lazy keyboard warriors when it comes to defending their honor. These people will gladly meet you in the town square to knock you the fuck out in front of everyone. Welcome to the centuries-old tradition of Takanaqui which is also known as the Peruvian Fighting Festival. But, Corey, you told me this was a Christmas story. Yeah, motherfucker. I'm like, what am I getting all this grief for? And to that, I will say, yes, it is a Christmas story, because this event goes into full swing, pun intended, on the holiest day of the year, that being December 25th, Christmas Day. Sol Invictus Day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's right. I finally took a page out of Christopher's playbook (laughs) and am doing a story about something that barely has anything to do with the topic, but still pulls it all together in the end. And I'll actually pull it together in the end. I can read an excerpt about Christmas. (laughs) So let's get to it. Takanaki isn't just some impromptu drunken street fight that happens first thing on Christmas morning. 
No, it's a more meaningful, colorful, and better thought out drunken street fight that happens on Christmas morning. The festivities begin in the days leading up towards Christmas, when the men, women, and children of the region don flashy, absurd-looking costumes and gather in the streets to sing, dance, smack-talk each other, and drink way too much alcohol in preparations for the upcoming fights. Now, <clears throat> you might be asking yourself, what the hell are a bunch of drunk Peruvians who look like they bought all of their clothing from the discount bin of a sex shop fighting for? You see, this area of Peru being so... Hey, what do they wear, mesh? Just wait. Okay. <laughs> this sounds amazing. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, you see, this area of Peru being so rural has no police, no military, and no courts to settle disputes. So the people of Chumbavilcas have fully embraced settling their problems the old-fashioned way, with their fists. Now, every person has different reasons for calling out a rival to duke it out, be it a love interest, land dispute, family honor, or just to say they're the toughest son of a bitch in town. <clears throat> but either way, the fists will fly in the name of justice. The most obnoxious of these festival goers are usually the men who have chosen to fight in the upcoming brawls. Excuse me. <clears throat> I think I caught your... <clears throat> Well, I, caught, I caught your coup or whatever the hell you gave me. I spit that hair across the computer into the back <sighs> of this truck. I know, yeah. So, all right. The most obnoxious festival goes usually the men uh, who fight in the upcoming brawls. They will don goofy-ass costumes that loosely represent things like a cowboy, a locust, or a slave owner, all which seem like odd choices, but those characters have historical significance to that region. Now, I say the outfits loosely resemble things... Uh, uh, resemble these things because the costumes are just straight up fucking wacky from oversized chaps and motorcycle jackets to big hats and dead birds on their heads sky's the limit when it comes to their outfits uh, but to me the funniest slash creepiest aspect is that they all wear some type of odd color pattern ski mask with their outfits they all have these fucking oh, you gotta show me pictures oh of yeah it's like seeing a bad acid trip of drunk burglars dancing down the street talking shit to each other in high-pitched voices. <laughs> like, it's all, it's all it's like, it's fucking nutty. So, after drinking and dancing all night, the fighters are primed up for their Christmas morning slugfest. Uh, the fighters and festival goers parade down the street until they make it toward a large clearing in town, where the battles will go on for hours. But an unorganized street fight this is not. There are referees and some ground rules a fighter must follow. There's no biting, hair pulling, or grappling. Punching and kicking is what's mainly on the menu here. The referees will make sure the fighters abide by these rules, and they also act as crowd control. If a fighter's homies try to jump in to help out their man, uh, they are met by the ref wielding a five-foot-long, thick-ass whip. Uh, refs, will, refs will beat back unruly crowds using full-force swings of the whip. Was he dressed up too, the ref? No, no, he just has oh, like okay. a hat, okay. traditional Peruvian wear, I guess. Fucking whipping him. I don't know much about Peru. Me and he made a Peruvian dish once that was pretty much shaved steak and French fries with uh, gravy on it. I'll give you a Peruvian knuckle sandwich. Thanks. Yeah. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> you are. <laughs> I am. God, you yeah. glutton fish. So, <clears throat> but. Before the brawl, fighters usually ditch most of their goofy outfit so they can actually see and maneuver properly. Uh, the two fighters who have voluntarily agreed to combat enter the center of the clearing, give a quick hug or handshake, and start swinging. I, I have one question. Yes. <clears throat> so are they essentially like 
what do I want to say here? Like taking complaints throughout the year and just like keeping them in storage until this yep. comes. So instead of like, like you and I got a, in a fight or something like about something like mm-hmm. instead of duking it out, we'd like, well, I guess we got to wait till Christmas. See Christmas. All right. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Thank so you. I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit at the Thank end. Thank you. All right. The fights are usually fast and furious as rivals land shots on the chin and deep kicks to the thighs. Once an opponent is rocked or hits the dirt, the ref calls the fight, and the dispute is thus ended. If a fighter gets back up to contest the judgment, they're usually met with the ref's whip. There are no juries, judges, or lawyers to muddy the waters of justice on Christmas morning in the Peruvian Andes, and almost all contestants who fight end their bouts with a hug. Uh, How are they getting it all out? Right? Some think this type of conflict resolution is only reserved for the young swing and dick guys of the region, but you would be mistaken. Women, children, and the elderly all partake in Takanaki uh, if they feel that there's a score that needs settled. Uh, women will wear colorful dresses with large hats while they attempt to knock each other out, and young kids are cheered on by their intoxicated family members as they throw haymakers at one another. It really is a sight to behold. Everyone in town fights if they have something to fight about. No keeping things in with, like, family and getting upset at this guy's nope. this fucking, like, political bullshit. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. No passive-aggressive stuff. Right? Yeah. Now, to circle back to the Christmas Day aspect of Takanaki, the locals claim that the day was chosen because it truly is a day of peace, if you think about it. Imagine if an entire community settled all of their grievances with one another in one day and then proceeded to move on with their lives and live amongst each other with a clean slate for the rest of the year. That is completely unheard of in the modern developed world. Instead, we hold long-term grudges, shit talk online, and treat people we've never met like total trash. It's actually quite pathetic. I have a hunch if all the people we disagreed with called us out to fight and we actually had to fight, there would probably be a lot less animosity in the world amongst everyone. Like, Every fucking news reporter would just have black eyes all year, <laughs> getting yeah. fucking beat up. Like it's not a bad idea. Yeah. Now, do the you can't get punched in the face though. Oh yeah, oh, fuck, you can. I don't want to do that. Oh yeah, you fucking knock him right out. I just don't want to. I don't want my jaw to get broke. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like that's like my one thing about fight. Well, if you're a decent person and you don't, I know. I'm just saying. Shit, then you won't get called out at Takanaki. I gotta mm-hmm. watch what I'm saying on this. Why? I don't know. I don't want to Someone's going to call you out, and you're yeah. going to have to fight now. I don't mm-hmm. want to fight anybody. <laughs> so, uh, the people of Chumbavilkas are a proud and resilient group who hold true to the purpose and meaning of Takanaki. Uh, the region they live in has a long history of not really following suit with whatever the controlling body at the time wants them to do, be it the rival Incans or Spanish missionaries from the past or the modern-day Peruvian government. Uh, in recent years, the government has tried to shut down these types of festivals, but they keep getting pushed. Yeah, right. Keep getting pushback from the locals. In fact, these types of fighting festivals are starting to spread beyond Chumbavilkas and are gaining popularity in other parts of the Andes. Uh, at the end of the day, these folks uh, like living their lives the way they see fit, and if that means knocking out a shitbird family member on Christmas morning, then so be it. So that was it. That's fantastic. That's talking. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it, it is. is. It's like uh, oh god, I'm just full of Seinfeld bullshit today. Mm-hmm. But it's like the all the Seinfeld thing where 
they don't understand why the boxers are always fighting each other because, like, they don't have any grievances. But if they got into little cars ahead of time in the ring, you know, and drove around and ran into each other and got in a fight, have a these reason guys to actually fight. have a reason to yeah. fight each other. So they're they're get so it's actually keeping the rest of the year relatively peaceful, mm-hmm. getting it all out at once, having a party, getting over your bullshit. Yep, and then you move on. Yeah, that's exactly. Like, I'd like to know, like, so. <clears throat> In this area, mm-hmm. because of this, or you, well, you probably don't really know because they're not keeping records. Do you think there's was there any indication that there was less crime throughout the year? I think because they kind of like waylay their shit. It. Yeah, for till the end of I, the year. The last thing I looked up, it was like this whole province, this whole state, which is a huge area, had three police officers for the whole thing. So that would be like three police officers for the fucking state of New Jersey. Huh. Not as many people, obviously, but as far as size, it's huge. Um, And, yeah, so it's just been their tradition of keeping the peace by starting some brawls. So swinging some fists. So I thought that was pretty wild. Uh, There is on YouTube a, like, 20-minute documentary. It's a Vice News one from – it's like nine, ten years old at this point, but it's awesome. You okay, watch it. I will watch it tonight. There was that. Um, various online articles. Uh, there's there's a ton of different stuff online I found on this. I didn't find any specific book. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I that's if if you want to see the full, I do outfits and and see him the, fight. Yeah, they Fuck see yeah. the host who is a very like the guy who's going to this who is a very stereotypical Vice News journalist. Yes, fights. I'm picturing him in my head right uh-huh. now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he, he has to take off. He's his, probably the uncle. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, you know, he's got to take off his fucking uh, little glasses. What the hell are those famous, the popular glasses, the Ray, not the Ray-Bans? Yeah, Wayfair? Yeah the, yeah, the Wayfarers, yeah. 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 Oh, those fucking Wayfarers. You see they got cameras in them now? <laughs> I did, yeah. I don't Sent, remember what they're called. Yeah. God uh, damn it. Something with a Q in it. Huh? A Q and Naviator. No. <laughs> God damn it. Well, I'll, I'll have to look it up. I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna uh, shelve that. I'm going to save that for a soft strip because I got some things to say about those Ray-Ban glasses. Okay. But I don't need to do it here today because this is a Christmas episode. I'm trying to focus on Christmas and the holidays. Yeah. Well, you yeah, what? you're trying to focus on the Christmas and by Christmas and the holidays by doing a non-Christmas or holiday yeah, story. Yeah, but you see what we did here, though. Yeah, okay, I did. I shoehorned it in there. Sure. But listen, we both ended up having stories about disputes between people and the resolutions of them. One was very violent and very immediate. Another yeah. was drawn out and very passive-aggressive. Mm-hmm. So without even meaning to, we, we were paralleled very... one another. Wow. We were like sinking, like yeah. we're women with our moon blood. And we just like, <laughs> we just think alike now. Uh, we poop and pee at the same yeah. time. We Yeah. So uh, see, it worked out really well. Yeah, we got the, we got the man moon going on. <laughs> Show you my man moon. <laughs> I was like, what's his problem? Oh, he's got his moon blood on. He's like, what's that? It's like he just shits for a week. <laughs> he shits for a week and has a raging heart on. <laughs> Hang a coat off that fucker. <laughs> oh God. Uh, uh, I'm losing my fucking mind. Yeah. <laughs> Go have a cup of coffee for fuck's sake. Now it's too with. late now. Have a cup of decaf. What time is it? It's almost five o'clock. Yeah, I can't drink coffee. Yeah, so you're running very late today, but yeah. I'll, 
I'll I'll let it slide because it's because it's because it's, it's the holiday season. Yeah, I was hanging out with my and family. we're recording this the day after Christmas. So. I finished this this afternoon. <clears throat> I I know you did. And then, uh, well, yeah. And then I gotta leave in two days. I'm getting on an airplane and going mm-hmm. to Phoenix, and I'm feeling a little nervous about it. Take your laptop with you and write up January's story. Oh, that's true. That's a good idea, huh? I get stupid on the plane though. Like I can't. I know. I've seen get, you hyperventilate into a bag on planes. Yeah, that's right. When we were together on a plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm, like, I'm going to take some, uh, I got some THC gummies. There so you I'm going to take those and Drug see if. Addict. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm going to see if that'll knock me out. Because the last time I drank all that Bombay gin mm-hmm. and I felt horrible. Yeah. Yeah, we just got bombed on a plane plane ride. After that, that mm-hmm. poor, that flight attendant gave me a barf bag full of Bombay because I looked terrible. <laughs> And I felt horrible. I don't want to do that. I don't want to drink a bunch of gin to get to Phoenix, is what I'm saying. God, that's great. All right. So we all know you're going to be out of town next week. So if you know where Christopher lives, he won't be around. Um, Oh, I didn't even think of that. (laughs) Yeah, we don't have any, like, we don't have any listeners that are criminal, right? I don't know. The numbers are getting up there now. So statistically, some of them probably are criminals. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Fucking break into my house. I'll go to Peru and I'll fight you on Christmas. Hey, there you go. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, Call them out. Takanaki, Western yeah. New York style. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Man, I'm making an effort to laugh away from the microphone. Yeah, you're doing good. You've done pretty good. I'm, 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 I'm impressed. You. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. All right. So that wraps up the Christmas episode part two, which was barely had anything to do with Christmas. <laughs> we hope... You all had a good Christmas, a good holiday, a good Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Festivus, whatever the fuck you Happy do. Happy Festivus. For the rest of us. It's a Festivus for the rest uh, of hopefully us. Hopefully you had a good Takanaki, whatever. So, Do we have any Peruvian listeners? I don't believe so, no. Okay. And definitely, probably not from Chumbavilcas. I don't mm. think they barely have electricity. <laughs> well, there might be one guy there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, again, uh, if, if you follow us on Spotify, leave a rating. Same with Apple. Um Check us out on Instagram at TS Podcast Official. And we're wrapping up the show. We'll see you in a couple of weeks and kick off the new year. Oh, I, real quick. I just want to. I want to. Oh, you had some notes. Is that what you got? No, yeah. I don't even want to do them. Okay. Uh, no, I just want <laughs> I want to say if anybody's looking for a good book, a lot of what I got today came from uh, Say Nothing, was the name of the book mm-hmm. uh, that Patrick Radden Keefe I got. It came out a couple of years ago. And it obviously consumed me for the past month. Yes. That's, I couldn't think of Chris is now else. on an Ireland IRA Protestant uh, Catholic kick, correct? Yeah, I'm pretty much over it, though, because now I'm on to uh, reading that punctuation book. Oh, okay. But up until now, I've been pretty obsessed. All right. So, yeah, yeah, you so have. So check it out. I'm it's, glad you worked it into it's, it's, to the episode. Woo, brr. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. Uh, again, hope you had a great Christmas, whatever. And uh, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Happy holidays, everybody. Merry shits, Graham. Goodbye. Bye for now. <laughs>